I will wait for you. Uh, if you would, if you take your Bibles, uh, you're already standing and don't be afraid. <laughs> uh, for those of you who were here last year, I probably went 10 or 15 minutes before I realized you're still standing. So today I will ask you to be seated uh, as soon as we get through with the scripture reading and prayer. Today we'll be reading out of the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll be continuing on the Elder Series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll be reading out of Ephesians 4, 25 through 28. I'll be reading out of the, uh, the New King James Version today. Uh, so if it's worded a little different than yours, just follow along. It's the same word, just in a different, in a different version. Uh, Ephesians 4, 25 through 28. Word of God says... He said, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor as we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to those who have need. If you would, bow your heads and let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much, God, for just sharing your word with us, not just on Sunday, but each and every day, God, that you just continue to lay out the paths for us and you continue to guide us, God. I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the confirmation that you give us, Father, through ones that, that work with us, ones that walk with us, when they come up and just with the small words of encouragement, just confirm what you've already told us, that you are here for us, that you love us with all your heart, so much so that you gave your son, your only begotten son, to die for us on the cross for our sins while we were yet sinners. God, today we're here to thank you for that. We're here to understand you more, Father, and grow closer to you through Christ Jesus. So God, use your will, use your way, move in us today. Let us leave here with a better understanding, draw a little bit closer to you than we did when we came. Father, if we do that, then we've accomplished what you had in mind for us on this day. God, we give you all the honor and all the glory alone, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Thank you so much. Y'all just don't know how much flack I've gotten for that for the past year, and today especially. But, uh, but I thank God. Thank God that he has a sense of humor and, and that you do as well. So uh, today we're going to be reading out the book of Ephesians. We're studying out the book of Ephesians uh, 4, 25 through 28. Um, this is a uh, continue on the elders series, uh, walking in unity in the body of Christ. Uh, this, this is such an important issue, such a, such a great uh, passage to, uh, to, be, to be privileged with coming up here and speaking up. Uh, what an honor to be here with the elders. Uh, for those of you, if this is your first time here, or you may not know the elders that have been preaching or coming up here. Um, it's an honor for us to, to be a part of this body and to, to be a part of this church. It, we, we don't take it lightly in any way whatsoever. It, it's really humbling. Um, if there's anybody here today that uh, you've never seen a miracle and you've wanted to see a miracle in your life, you're looking at one today. The fact that I'm standing here in this pulpit telling you about Jesus is nothing short but of a miracle from God himself. His son never gave up on me. I, I gave my life to Christ at seven years old in a Baptist church in the ghettos of Miami. And uh, I ended up in Alabama at eight years old. And uh, this, is, this is my home. This is where I am. But I ran from God for 20 years, from the time I was 13 to the time I was 23. I ran from God. But God's word said that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Nothing 
can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And I think if, if nothing else today, I think sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. We just need to hear that. No matter how much you, you feel you failed or how much you feel that you don't measure up, no matter how many mistakes you made or whatever you feel in your heart, just remember this. God will never leave you and never forsake you. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when I say that I'm a, that I'm a living miracle, that is exactly why. Because I turned my back on God for 20 years, just like the prodigal son. But just like the prodigal son, after 20 years, I came to a crossroad in my life where I'd hit rock bottom. And I, and I thought to myself, I, the Bible says that the prodigal son said he came to himself and he thought to himself, in my father's house, even the servants live better than I'm living today. And when I realized that, and I went back and I went to the altar and I laid down on the altar and I gave my life to Christ, my life has never been the same. It's been, it's been 26 years now and it's been absolutely amazing. Wouldn't, wouldn't go back for a minute for a day. So I just want to share that with you just to give you an idea of, of uh, who John Hall is. Nobody special, nobody fancy, but I am an absolute miracle and work of God. So I give all the credit, all the glory solely to God for everything that, that he's done in my life and everything that I'm able to do today because of him. So we're going to start in uh, 25. We're going to uh, basically in this next two weeks, we're going to address seven areas of, of how a true Christians should walk and how a true Christians should live. I'm going to cover some of the areas. And uh, next week, Tony's going to come and he's going he's to finish out. He's going to cover some of the other areas. But uh, in Ephesians, in this passage of Ephesians, it's a good guideline. For us as Christians, when we wonder, you know, am I, am I walking the walk? Am I talking to, I'm talking to talk, am I walking the walk? Am I doing what God is desired for me to do? Am I living the life I should live? And this is a good guideline to go by in here. And this, it gives you a couple things that uh, will help you to, uh, to remember who we are and to remember how we should live. Uh, one of those things, the first one, it says, uh, verse 25, it said, uh, verse 25 says, Therefore, put away all lying, and uh, ESV, I think, says falsehood. Uh, let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're all members of one. Put away all lying. Well, that's, that's a tough one there, right? It might be easy for y'all, but it's tough for me. It was when I, when I first rededicated my life to Christ, and it, it's still tough today in certain situations, especially when you, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, you know, or, or you're in a situation where this could really cause problems in your life. So what do we do? But the Bible tells us to put away all lying, put away all falsehood, be who we are, be who we are, be who we are on Monday, just like who we are on Sunday. Uh, what's, what's the song? There's a song, um, Casting Crowns has a song, starts right here. He said, what if the church on Sunday could be the church on Monday? Where would the world be today? Man, isn't that something? If we walk out here tomorrow, if we walk out here today, and we have that same spirit, that same joy, that same love for others as we have today and we take it out in the, in the world next week, we will make a difference. God will make a difference. He'll use us to make a difference in someone's life. So put away all lying. Put away, put away all falsehood. Put away all cheating and uh, anything, that, anything that will tarnish your walk with God. So put it away. Put away. Andrew talked the last week about uh, putting on and, and taking off. You know, we, we have to put on. We have to put on, God. We have to, not a put on, but to put on. To be, to be a child of God, we need to be able to look and act like a child of God. People need to see Jesus 
when they see us. If we're walking the way we're supposed to walk, if we're moving in the way we're supposed to move in the Lord, when people see us, they'll see Jesus. They'll see the light through us. They'll, they'll look beyond us, and they'll see the light through us. And that's not always an easy thing to do, especially in the world that we live in today. It gets complicated sometimes. But the Bible has clearly given us direction and tells us what to do, where to go. Uh, Matthew 5, 33 through 37 says, do not, uh, do not swear falsely, but perform your oaths. Keep your promises. The ESV says promises. Keep your promises to the Lord. Do not swear at all, neither in heaven, by earth, or by, by your head, which is life. So Matthew 5, 33 to 37 says, Do not swear falsely, but perform your oaths, perform your promises to the Lord. Do not swear at all by heaven, by earth, or by, by your head, by life. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, but I like to watch shows. I always just like watch cops, you know, and now it's, uh, uh, what's the one they have out now? Um, Live PD, and then they've, they've got all kind of different ones branched off of that. But uh, I don't know why, but I've always loved to watch those shows. And, I, and it cracks me up every time when someone gets arrested and, and they've, they've been caught in the act. I mean, you've seen them. They have it on videotape, exactly what the person did. And he'll look them right in the eye and say, I swear to God. I did not do that. <laughs> I swear to God. And you, and you just seen it. You just witnessed it. It's on videotape. It's, there's no denying it. But they're so convincing, even though you know it's true, you almost, you almost doubt yourself. Did I really see what I saw? I swear to God you didn't. I swear to God. I swear, I swear on my children. I swear on my mama's grave. I've heard them all. <laughs> I've heard them all, especially working in jailhouse ministry. I swear to God. But listen, the Bible tells us don't swear on anything by heaven. You don't have to swear to God. You shouldn't have to swear to God. People should believe you enough that when you say something they believe, it's going to be true. You shouldn't have to swear to God. He said, don't swear to anything by heaven. Don't swear anything by earth. Don't swear on your children's life. <laughs> First of all, how can, how can you swear on your children's life and you know you're lying? I cannot fathom that, that being an acceptable thing to do. But why would you swear on your children's life anyway? Why would you do such a thing? Why, what makes you feel that you have to go to such extremes to get people to believe you? If we do this, then we have a problem. Then we have falsehood in our lives. And then we may be liars. It says, uh, by earth, don't, don't swear by my head. Don't swear by your life. Don't say, you know, I swear on my life. You know, you've heard this before. I swear on my life. It's th little things like that we don't think a lot about. You know, I hear people all the time, I swear, I swear. The Bible tells us we don't have to swear. Matter of fact, it says do not swear. In Ephesians, in the New Testament, it says do not swear at all by neither by heaven, by earth, or by your own head. Um, 37, but let your yes be yes and your no be a no. Anything more than that is from, is from the devil. Um, Matthew in 37, verse 37, he makes it simple for us. He makes it simple, would seem simple. He said, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. And listen to what he says here. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Anything more, anything less. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. Now, I, I say that and I, I repeat that to myself constantly. If you say something, it should be true. People should be able to accept it as the truth. But the only way, only way they're going to do that is if they see that you live a life where your yes is a yes and your no is a no. 
If you tell somebody you're going to do something or be there, do something or be there. Something comes up that you can't, explain to them that, you, that there was a problem, and this is why. But live a life where yes is a yes and a no is a no, because the Bible says anything more than this is from the evil one. The devil is looking for opportunities. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. He's looking for opportunities for you to have something in your life where people can find doubt, can find, you know, uh, well, you know, will they do this? Will they do that? Are they telling the truth? Are they not telling the truth? The devil is looking for opportunities to move into situations like that and put doubt in the minds of people. I heard a coworker one time when I was working at Honda, I was talking to a coworker, and they said uh, they were talking about couple of friends and they said I was they said I was talking to this one guy and I was asking them about something that another guy said a mutual friend they, everybody knew everybody right so I was talking to one guy and asking him about something that another guy said that was kind of hard to believe and the co-worker said I asked this person I said what do you think do you think that's true do you think that's the truth and that co-worker or that that mutual friend looked at that co-worker and said, if that person told you that a chicken can pull a trailer, then you better load the trailer and harness up the chicken because it's about to happen. That's how we should be. That's how we should be as Christians. That's how we should walk. We should be able to tell somebody about the glory and the greatness of God and the fact that he'll forgive us for anything in our, in our lives. And people should be able to believe that, as crazy as it sounds. As crazy as it sounds. People out there today, there's so many people out there that are lost today and believe in their hearts, and I was one of them. They believe in their hearts, there's no way that I can be a Christian. There's no way that I can walk the walk. There's just no way. But there is a way. There's one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And he's already promised it to each and every one that will accept him for who he is and believe in who he is. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. So we can do this. We can't become that person. Now, with me, I'm still working on that. It's, it's, it's sanctification is not an overnight thing. Not for me anyway. Some people, maybe that worked for you. Maybe you rededicated your life or you got saved and you're instantly good to go. Uh, I would like to tell you how long that takes to be in that place, but I don't know yet. 26 years in, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. Get closer every year, still got a long way to go. So, let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no. Anything more than that, when you have to start explaining to yourself or start making excuses, there's an issue, and the devil will take advantage of that in any way he can. He says, don't, don't give room to him. Don't do that. Uh, the lies and the truth that we speak in our lives, they affect people more than we realize. What we don't realize sometimes is we, we think, you know, if I say this or I do that and it's no big deal, but the lies that we tell affects other people's it talks about it talks about for we are members one another if you tell a lie especially as a christian if you tell a lie it's going to affect other people it's going to put doubt in their mind it's going to wonder you know you heard the word hypocrite you know if you've ever been a christian for long you've heard that word before and we've seen that so many times and we don't want to be that we don't be that person we don't be able to give opportunity for the devil to make us look like that person so be careful in what you say be careful in what you do. There's, a, there's another song, and I, I love music. I, lo I listen to music all the time, and it really encourages me, and, and it, it just relaxes me and blesses me. But there's a remake of the old song, uh, Be Careful Little Eyes, What You See. You know, uh, Be careful what you say, because there are little eyes, little, little ears that are watching and they hear you. 
and, uh, and it's going to affect their life forever. So, so let, let's try to be that person. Let's try to line up with this word if we're not already there. And if we're there, let's try to help someone else find that way, to, find, to be there, to where when we say something that they believe that we truly have God's interest in mind, that we truly care about them, and that we're not just trying to, to you know, get somebody to do what we do or, or bring numbers in or anything like that. This is solely about the glory of God. Um, let's see, Revelations 21, 7 through 8. And again, remember this started out saying, do not, uh, do not lie, do not you know, t- tell lies, do not have falsehood, don't be false in your life. Revelations 21, 7 through 8. And before I, before I read the scripture, I want to say this. I hear so many people out there today saying, preachers never preach on fire and brimstone anymore. Nobody ever talks about hell anymore. I would love to tell them they're wrong. I'd love to look them in the face and say, you know what, that's not true. Every church out there is preaching on fire and brimstone. They're preaching on hell, and they're preaching on hell and heaven. It's not, it's not absolutely true. They're right. There are preachers out there that don't. You won't find that here. You won't find that here. And it may not be the way that if you're a little older like I am, it may not be the way you're used to where the preacher gets on the end of the stage and, and shouts and, you know, good preacher, he spit on you from here to Miss Gala sitting right there, you know. Hey, whoa, you know, and I love that. But not everybody's like that. Not everybody preaches like that. And Cody is constantly, constantly reminding us about the glory of heaven and about the, the separation from God forever in hell. Constantly. Constantly. If we listen and we look for it, we'll hear it. May not come across strong and, 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 and in a sense intimidating or scary uh, like we're used to when we're younger, but it's still the same word of God. And it's still coming across in our hearts if we're listening, if we're looking with the same power as it did then. So I'm going to read this scripture after saying that. I'm going to read this scripture. Revelations 21, 7 through 8. Uh, John's talking about the new heaven. He said, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son and daughter, of course. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, the lake of fire. Now, that's pretty clear, right? That's pretty clear. It says here that it gives a list of, of, of sin, of, of sinful ways of people living their lives. Cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderer, sexually immoral. I mean, these are horrible things, right? Uh, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. And then he throws in all liars. Now, in the rest of them, he was, he was listing each and individual one. And here he says, all liars, all liars. Now, that's kind of, when you first look at that and you first hear it, it's, it's kind of scary. It's kind of unnerving. Well, wait a minute, you know, if I tell a lie, I'm going to hell? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't be a liar. Don't be a liar. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. We're going to fail. But the fact is we don't stay there. We don't hang out there. We don't let that become who we are. We're sinners saved by grace. That's who we are doesn't say that we're not sinners anymore, that we don't sin. We're sinners saved by grace. The only reason we're not sinners is because we were saved by grace. And sometimes we need that grace to fall on us even after we're saved. As we're being sanctified, we continually need that grace to fall on us so that we don't end up in this list 
of horrible, horrible things, of people doing horrible things that will take them to hell, that will bring them to the lake of fire. God's judgment is coming. His son, Jesus, is going to return. And when he returns, he's not returning as the lamb. He's returning as the lion. He's returning to bring judgment. But that's good news for his people. That's good news. Because I don't know about y'all, but this world's not getting any better. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. Again, I, I revert to another song. One song says, your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. And some like Casting Crowns just beheld. It says, your world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. The gospel is clear about what our world's going to end up like. And we can see it. People come up to me all the time when I'm doing outreach ministry. They'll say, you think we're in the end times? You think we're in the end times? Don't want to start off with Matthew and learn about Jesus. They want to know about the, the end times, the big, the destructive, the exciting things. And, uh, and to some people, the scary things. Do you think we're in the end times? Only Jesus, only God and Jesus himself know exactly when that day will be. But a blind man can see the signs, right? A blind man could look at the world today and see that what, what John was talking about in Revelations, what Daniel was talking about all through the Bible and Jesus talking about, those times are close. They're soon. Now, no man can tell you exactly when that is. But my answer to that, to that question, when confronted with that question, especially with younger people, is do you think we're in the end times? Do you think Jesus is coming soon? Do you think the end of the world is right around the corner? And I tell them, I have no idea. I have no idea. Yes, I can see the signs. Yes, it's evident it's coming. But can I tell you when? No. But I can tell you this. Your end times could be today. Your last day on this earth could be today. And just as Jesus will come and, and you'll stand before him in judgment, if you die today, you will go to him and stand before him in judgment. Same thing. Same difference. The only difference is... We don't know when the end time's coming, but we do know that at some point in time, we're going to die and we're going to leave this world. We will stand before Jesus. We st will stand before him in judgment. And he will have a book called the Book of Life, and he'll stand there and he'll look in that book. And here's the thing, as simple as this, as a Christian, your, life's e your name's either in that book or it's not. Jesus said that men will stand before me and say, I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. I did miracles in your name. I did wonderful things, amazing things in your name. And Jesus will look back at that person and say, but I know you not. Depart from me, worker of iniquity. Those are not the words that you want to hear Jesus say when you leave this world. What you want to hear, you want to hear Jesus say is, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful. Not perfect, faithful. So, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, your biggest worry should not be, when is he coming back? Your biggest worry should be, am I going to go see him tomorrow? Am I going to be ready when it's my time to go see him? So Revelations gives us an idea of uh, how God feels about lying, about falsehood, things in that such manner. And it's just a good lesson for us uh, in our lives to try to move forward and to be better Christians. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Now, as a new Christian years ago when I first read that, I didn't understand that. Well, wait a minute, you're saying I can be angry? You're saying I can just go fly off the handle like I always do? That's fine. I just be angry. But the key is it says be angry, 
do not sin. That's the hard part. Being angry is okay. It's all right. Sometimes it takes anger. It, it takes something like that to motivate you to move in situations you need to move in and to act where you need to act. But the key is to do it in a righteous way, not to do it in our way. The Bible, Jesus, the Bible says here that we can be angry. Be angry. It's okay. You're upset. It's okay. You're frustrated. It's okay. It's all right. Jesus turned temple tables over. But keep this in mind. Jesus didn't turn temple tables over because they were talking about him. There were people talking about him the whole time he walked. He could have took any one of them out at any given time. He turned the temple tables over because people were disrespecting God's temple, God's word, God himself. He was angry. And he turned tables over. Now, is that a sin? No. He's cleaning house. He didn't come to play. He is, he's giving them an opportunity to realize what they're doing, convicting them of the sins in their lives and telling them you need to change. This is a house of worship, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. God's not going to allow that for, for long. There's only a, a limited amount of time that you're going to be able to do that before it's over. So be angry and sin not. It's simple. It's not hard. Anger is an emotional reaction to, to pain, disappointment, anger issues, things like that. It's a byproduct of sin and doubt in our everyday lives. Anger issues, anger management. Amen. I think somebody just said amen. <laughs> anger issues, y'all. I would love to sit up here and say, I've been walking with God for 26 years. I control my anger. I've got my anger completely under control. My wife would be like, she'd be at the altar like, Lord, help him. Help him. <laughs> help him, Lord. He ain't there yet. He's not getting this. I have anger issues. I'm not going to lie to you. I've always had anger issues my entire life. Granted, they're better than they were since I have become a Christian. But I have anger issues, but I have to learn to deal with them differently now. I can't just lash out on people because over the years I've seen the results of what that does. When you lash out or say something, when you say something to someone, you can't just grab that back. Like, ooh, ooh. Didn't mean to let that one go. Let me get that back. It's done. It's gone. It's locked in, right? It's not. And, any, and those of you who are married, you know that is never going away. <laughs> you say something bad to your wife, that is never going to leave. Same, husband, same way. It's always going to be here somewhere. She'll forgive you. She'll move on. But it'll always be there. We have to learn to control our anger, turn our, turn our anger issues to replace our unrighteous Anger reactions with righteous anger reactions. God says, be angry. Go ahead. Be angry. If you're looking at the world today, the, the leaders of this country today, and you're angry, it's okay. It's okay. should be. It's sad where we're heading. But it says, do not sin. Do not allow that to cause you, to drag you, to pull you into sinning because of it. Because then you become part of the problem instead of part of the solution. So do not give place to the devil. Do not sin when you get angry. And, and we could go on and we could talk about that. We could talk about especially anger issues. I mean, we have, we have counselors that, that spend hours and hours helping people deal with anger issues. But that's something you have to start by bringing it to the altar or bringing it to, from your seat anywhere, bringing it in prayer. The only way you're going to overcome anger issues is through prayer. And I tell you this because I know. I know it's the only way. Uh, I, I pray every morning when I get up, and I tell Lewis, Lewis works with me down there, uh, Alabama, especially products we work. 
I tell Lewis, I say, you know, I, some people say, well, how do you deal with this one and how do you deal with that one? Because some people are unruly, right? Y'all ever met an unruly person? <laughs> some people are unruly. He said, how do you deal with that? I said, I pray in the parking lot every day when I pull up. I sit in the parking lot, I cut my truck off, and I pray. And it's usually the same basic prayer. Lord, walk with me today. Talk with me today. Hold me today so that I can be a light for you and not part of the problem. And I always end my prayer with this in the mornings when I'm sitting in the work parking lot. I say, God, take your arm, put your arm around my shoulder, slide your hand over my mouth. Because if you don't, I will say something for the days out that I will regret. Whether I had the right to, whether it was true or not, doesn't matter. It'll, I will regret it. And it's only by the grace of God that for the most part, I'm able to do that. And now there's times when I'll fail. <laughs> so let's just, let's just be honest. So be straight up, there's times when I fail just like everybody else. But the thing is, I don't stay there. When I fail, I walk off, ask God to forgive me. And if it's towards a certain person, I ask them to forgive me. And I move on. Not talking about me. I'm not trying to, you know, pat myself on the back in any way whatsoever. I'm just trying to show you what God can do for us no matter where you are, no matter how hard the struggles you're going through or how hard the sins are in our lives. We can overcome it through Jesus Christ, through prayer. So it, this, is, this is just a simple lesson. And then it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I love that. When I was a child... My parents didn't attend church regularly. As a matter of fact, they attended church rarely. Uh, as I said, I was, I was saved when I was seven years old, and that was because the church bus came to where I lived at. And I asked my mom if, if she would like to come to church, visit church, and she's like, no, not at this time. And he said, what about the children? Are they in the church? You know, they need to be in church. She said, no, they're not in church right now. And they said, how about if we pick the kids up and take them on Sunday mornings for a couple hours, feed them, and bring them back? She's like, oh, you want to pick these kids up for a couple hours on Sunday, <laughs> feed them, and bring them back here, give me a break? Hey, have at it, buddy. <laughs> take, them all, take, them, take them all day if you want, all you want, right? So it was because of that, that one ministry, church bus ministry. I hear people use a comment, I was a bus kid, or there's bus kids. I'm a bus kid, y'all. I'm the kid that was not going to come to church. Didn't have anybody guide me to come to church. Lived in a rough family, rough neighborhood. But the church sent a bus out to the rough neighborhood and invited us to church and changed my life. Changed the life of my family. When I got saved, my mother and my father and my stepmother got saved. My mother and father are in heaven today, and I'm going to see them again. So thank God for the, for, for the church bus. Amen. Thank God for those willing. John Smiten told a guy, uh, John or Keith, the one told a guy at the detention center, he told me the other night, he said, yeah, when John or Keith was here Tuesday, said, they told me that uh, if, I, if I wanted to come to church, they'd come get me. He said, I told them I live in Sylacauga. He said, that's okay. He said, we're going to make it happen. We'll, we'll make sure that you get to church. And this poor kid looked at me and he said, I got a feeling you're going to be the one that comes get me. I said, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> John Smythe made that promise. <laughs> John Smythe come and get you. <laughs> no, I, I, I love ministries. Every ministry is equally as important, and every one of us has to walk in God equally because we are all members of one family, one kingdom. One could really make a difference in the whole family and the whole kingdom. Do not let, uh, get back to what I was saying about my mother. 
My mother did not attend church regularly, but she would always tell me. As I said, I had anger issues. Even as a child, I had anger issues. My mother would always tell me, do not go to bed angry. Do not go to bed angry. Don't go. Don't do it. You go to bed angry, you wake up angry. She said, don't let the wrath go down. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. For years growing up as an adult, I thought, my mom used to say the coolest thing. My mom was so smart. She used to tell me, don't let the, the sun go down on my wrath. That is just genius. And then one, one day at 33 years old, as I rededicate my life and read through the Bible, I'm like, wait a minute. This wasn't mama, this was God. <laughs> God said that. But mama heard that, and she related, and it helped me so many times in my life. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, there's, there's a little bit of a difference between anger and wrath. Anger, you get upset, emotionally frustrated. Wrath, you start thinking vengefulness, revenge. I don't get mad, I get even. Anybody ever said that? I used to say that all the time. I don't get mad, I get even. <laughs> You're not getting even if you lower yourself to someone else's standards, right? We're not getting even. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. This is especially, especially good in marital issues. If you have an argument, I know y'all probably don't argue, and, and I'm telling on my wife now that we argue. <laughs> but we, we talk it out. We work it out. We don't sit there and go for days and let the devil entertain us and tell us all kinds of things that aren't true in our minds while we're not talking to each other because we're mad at each other. I ain't talking to her. What would you say, devil? What? <laughs> we can't do that. We have to talk it out, pray it out. There's been times, and I'm just, I'm just being open with my, my, my wife. Penny's probably going to kill me telling you all this information. But I'm being honest with you. There's been times when we weren't happy with each other. And we went to bed and we were not. It was like, you stay on your side, I'm staying on my side. But when we pray together and move on, even though we totally disagree on something, even though we're dead set, each one of us, on our, on our, our opinions and our ways, at the end of the day, we pray together and we give it to God. And it always works out. It always comes around in the end. So don't go to bed angry. You go to bed angry, you wake, you wake up angry. And then 27, oh, this is it right here now. It says, don't go, be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And ESV says opportunity. Don't give opportunity to the devil because he will take it. He will take advantage of any opportunity he can. So it says, don't go to bed mad, nor give place to the devil. Don't open the door for the devil to come into your mind and start telling you things that aren't true. And even if they are true, that you need to deal with with God and not with him. You don't want advice from him when you're upset. I promise you, I've walked that road for 20 years. Never turned out good. Never turned out the way I wanted it to. The Bible says that the, uh, at one point in Genesis, God, when Cain and Abel, God told Cain, he said, he said, why? Why are you upset? Why are you upset? Do you not know if you had done right, if you were doing right, and you approached me in the right manner in righteousness, that I will bless you? but yet you approach with anger. He says, God tells him, he says, uh, 
me see where I got this at. He says, Genesis 4, 7, Cain and Abel, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies. ESV says, crouches at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. God's telling us from the beginning, Jesus says something similar to this in the New Testament. God's telling us that if we don't come in front of him or if we don't walk in a righteous manner, that what we ask for and, and the way we act will not be accepted. But if we walk to him in a righteous manner, in a pure heart, in a true heart, that he will bless us. It's simple, right? It's just simple. But it's not simple to Cain to kill his brother immediately afterwards. It's hard for us sometimes to grab hold of stuff when we're in emotional states, especially emotional state of anger. But the Bible says, God says, that the devil waits at the door. He even gives a picture of the devil crouching at the door. He says, give me a chance. You know, like a football player, you know, says, come on, come on, hike the ball. The devil is crouching at the door, and his intentions are not good. And if we, are, if we entertain him or give him an opportunity, he will take it every single time. But God is standing strong, standing strong, looking down from the throne. Jesus looking down from the throne room of heaven, going, hey, I'm right here, I'm right here. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? So he says, do not give place to the devil. I tell people this all the time, don't entertain the devil. Don't. He's going to talk to you, he's going to whisper in your ear, he's going to put thoughts in your head, he's going to do that. But you don't have to listen to it. It's just like TV. If you have something on TV you don't want to watch, I, I'm sitting there watching a show, and I'm sitting there thinking, this show is so dumb. But yeah, I'm still watching it. Like, what's going to happen next? I, wanna, I should just turn the channel or turn it off. But yeah, I'm sitting there, and then, then the show's over, and I'm thinking, I'll never get that two hours back. Never get that back. This is an absolute waste of time. It was ridiculously disappointing. I'm telling you. Don't give place to him. Don't entertain him. Shut him off. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That scripture has to be written on your heart. It has to. To, to live a Christian life, that scripture has to be written on your heart. Resist the devil. Don't challenge him. Don't go, come on, get you some, devil. Come on, try it. Don't run from him. Don't, don't sit there, and whatever you do, don't sit there and listen to him. Don't entertain it. Resist the devil and he shall flee. He shall flee. The darkness will not remain and the light is in you. Resist him and he shall flee. So when you're upset, when you're angry, when you're trying to think, of what am I going to do next about this situation? Do not give place to the devil, whatever, whatever you do. Last one, and someone said amen. Uh, let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to those who has need. So let him, steal, let him who steals steal no longer. Now that's probably not a big issue in this church, especially for older, more mature people. It's probably not an issue stealing. Okay, you know, I've learned that's not a good thing to do on my own. You can learn that on your own. You can learn that the hard way. But there's a reason. There's a reason that this, that this passage emphasizes on that. Do not steal. Especially at this time, because at this time, people weren't spoiled like we are today. You couldn't just go to Walmart and get whatever you want, right? There were people that literally had no way to feed their children, to feed their families, feed themselves. 
and, uh, and they would still, we even see the point to where Jesus had to, they, they had to explain, or, or Jesus did, but the, the disciples had to explain when the, at the Lord's Supper that when you come here, that you better, you better do inventory. Better make sure your heart's right as you come here. Don't come here just for the bread and wine. It wasn't, it wasn't just a cracker and, and grapefruit juice like then. It was, it was bread and wine. You got a guy that's starving. He's going he's gonna to think, you know, he's going to do what he can to eat or survive, right? But Jesus said, be careful. Be careful. Don't steal. Work. Work hard. Um, let's see. Where have this at? John Wesley, he quotes, work as hard as you can, make as much as you can, and then give as much as you can. I think that's words to live by right there. Be honest. Be honest. Don't lie. Let your yes be a yes, your no be a no. Anything else is from the devil. Any other kind of, any other kind of gray areas is from the devil. But work as hard as you can, make as much as you can, and then give as much as you can. The reason in this passage that he says, let, he says, let him who labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to those who have need. Sometimes when you're working hard, working a lot, working in maybe, you know, unhealthy environments and whatever, sometimes you get stressed out and it gets aggravated. Sometimes you even wonder if it's worth it. Is it even worth it? But we need to remember it's not all about us. We need, there are people out there that need help, that need us. And it's not just spiritual help a lot of times. It's, it's actually, you know, financial help and, and you know, it's the missions. Missions is, perfect. This, missions is a perfect example of what the Bible's talking about right here. Work hard so that you can give hard. Give, give your time, give your effort, give your sweat and your muscle and your tears. Give that so that you can gain something that you can turn into something wonderful and give to others. Don't, don't think about, I need to do this and I need to do that so that I can have this and I can have that. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. I hear people all the time say, well, if I win the lottery, if I win the lottery, I'm good. I'm good to go, you know. Well, I don't know if I would be good if I won the lottery. I don't know if I had a couple million dollars thrown in my lap if I'd know how to act. I don't know. I guess I'll never know. <laughs> but uh, I don't play the lottery. But, but the thing is, we're dependent on success in the world's eyes and to measure up to the world and then the hopes that if we get more money, that everything will be wonderful. But, you know, they did an interview with Tom Brady. They did an interview with Tom Brady. And in the interview, he, I watched it on, on, on the Internet or whatever, so it has to be true. In the interview, he sat there and he looked at the camera. And the, the guy, the commentator said, you, you've, got, man, you've got everything. I mean, what's it like? What's it like to have everything that a man would want? And Tom Brady said, I've got success. Super Bowl rings, supermodel wife, more money than I know what to do with, fame everywhere I go, people know me. Tom Brady said, I have all these things. And it's exact, these are the exact words he said. God, there's got to be more to life than this. He said it. He said, he gave the answer to his question in his own words. God, there must be more to life than this. Let's not measure our success compared to everybody else. Let's not try to keep up with the Joneses. Let's make a new Jones. Let's try to, let's try to keep up with Jesus. 
and see where that takes us, see what that does for us. So this is, this is, basically, this is basically a simple passage here. It's not complicated. It, it's really easy to preach, honestly. It's, it's easy to preach because it preaches itself. It, it tells you straight from the Word how to have a better life, how to be a better Christian. These are part of the, 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 nine, the, nine, um, the nine steps to walk in a true Christian life, to walk in the walk, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. So this is just part of it. And Tony's going he's gonna to finish out next week uh, with Ephesians uh, 4 and a little bit into 5, I think. But, uh, but listen, it is, absolute, it is absolutely an honor for us. And I speak for every elder because we, we meet a lot and we, we talk a lot. We know each other. We know each other like brothers. And we love each other like brothers. And I promise you, if I had a problem right now, I could call any one of these elders at any time and they would drop whatever they're doing. And, and if, it's, if it's an issue, now if I'm not just saying, hey, I need a cheeseburger, you know, <laughs> go pick me one up swinging by the house. But I'm telling you, if I have an issue in my life, they will get up at 3 in the morning and, and we've experienced this. And, and, and they will come and meet that need in any way they can. But here's the great part about this. We'll do that for you. We'll do that for you. That's what we're here for. We're not here for some kind of title. We're not here to try to be somebody. Believe me, we, we, we get nervous when we have to come up here and speak. We don't sit there and go, yes, I get to preach. <laughs> we're like, oh, Lord, I hope I do this right. I hope I don't blow it. I hope I don't say something crazy, especially me. But we will do anything we can do to help you in your walk, and that's a solemn promise. And that's, from, that's anywhere from the, from the greeters at the door all the way up to the pastor. If we, if we won't be there for you when you need us, then please tell someone <laughs> because we don't need to be in this position. But we will. We will do anything we can to help you in any way we can at any time. So test that theory. Call us. Fill out those cards. Put your prayer on there. They're not going to get thrown to the wayside. I heard someone talking just the other day about, uh, I don't know mention any names, but someone was talking about how a pastor would, would get names. People would come in. They'd have a VBS or whatever, and they would come in, and people would fill out their names on the cards, and, uh, and the pastor would just put them to the side. I even heard a story of a, a, a new movie they have come out. I haven't seen it yet, but where this kid, uh, he was struggling, his sister needed help or whatever, and the pastor was taking prayers that were put in the prayer box, and the kid seen him dumping them in the trash. Y'all might have seen this movie already. Kids dumping these prayers in the trash can, or the pastor's dumping the prayers in the trash can, and the kid sees him do it. And the kid goes up to the pastor and says, hey, he said, I need, to, I need a job. I need to help pay for my sister's uh, surgeries and stuff like that. We're really poor. I can't do it. And he said, can I do something around here? Just do anything? The pastor said, no, no, I don't need anybody right at this time. You know, I just don't need anybody. don't have time to, to you know, really uh, pay anybody or, or to, to train you to do anything. And the kid said, uh, I seen you dumping those prayers in the trash the other day. And the pastor said, what? He said, I seen you dumping the people's prayers from your church in the trash. Pastor said, well, I might have a little something you can do around here on the weekends. <laughs> I'm work, work, work something out. And by that kid calling him out and then becoming a part of his church, that pastor ended up later on coming and, and repenting to the entire congregation and said, you know, my wife died and I was mad at God. And he said, I didn't believe in prayer. The pastor, this was a pastor. Now, it's a movie, but this happens. 
This stuff happens. You say, I didn't believe in prayer. I promise you, when you send your, put your prayer request in there, they're not going to hit the trash can. They're not going to look, get looked at lightly. You're going to be prayed for. You're going to have people supporting you. You're going to have people be, that are there for you. And uh, I think that's, that should be a given in any church, in any family. That should be a given. But I promise you, that's a given here. So I am honored. I'm absolutely honored. I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed to no end how God has moved in my heart and my life and made me the person I am today. And I give all the glory and all the honor to God. So I want to challenge you. If, you. if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, this is the day. This is it, man. There's no better time than right now. You're here. He's here. Jesus said, with two or more gathered together, I will be there in the midst. He's here waiting on us. If you have something that's laying on your heart today, bring it. You don't have to come to the altar. You can do it from your seat. But we're going to have elders down here. They would love to pray with you. If you've never accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior, ask them about it. They would love to walk you through that and, and tell you how to do that. It's, it's so easy. It's almost scary. It's so easy to become a Christian. And know that when that happens, that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Bow your heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. -on -one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.